relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships right now. Paul Moore here with Herman Even. And Herman, the last couple of times we've been together, we've talked about being emotion-led. You said if we really don't know the Bible, we can expect to be deceived. And what kept ringing in my head was Hosea 4, 6, where it says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Mm -hmm. And on the website, you have some tools for better thinking. Yes, we have three tools for better thinking in that same chapter. Chapter 8, first section, where we're talking about not being emotion-led. We want you to go to that chapter and take a look at those three tools. But before we get there and talk about all of that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you so much that you truly have made this very straightforward, simple. I like to believe that it's easy because you're the one that inhabits us to live the life that you want to live through us when we abandon ourselves to you. Lord, I pray that you can use these three tools to help us grow in our knowledge and application of you in your precious name. Amen. Amen and hallelujah. And it would probably help if I said, if you're not familiar, the website is greatrelationships.com, G-R numeral eight, relationships.com. Our discussion is coming out of material that's found in chapter eight, section one, three tools for better thinking. Not the title, but that's what we're discussing. Mm, That's right. We want to be talking about this because what we've stated is think, act, feel. That is the way life works. Whether you have good thinking, it's going to drive good emotions and good actions. If you have bad thinking, it's going to drive bad emotions and bad actions. Okay, then let me ask. Good thinking, right? Bad thinking, all these actions. With that, I want to link what we've been talking about, and that's that common pattern for change. Mm -hmm. Here's how it was. Something happened. This happened. Mm -hmm. And now it's this way. Right. And it's this, this, and it's my thinking that allows that this to help me change something for good or something for bad. Yeah, if people aren't, people are changed largely because their thinking has changed is one way to think about that. But a better way to think about that is people do not change for the better unless they rely on truth and reality. When you're not into truth and reality, you will end up being deceived. And if you're not in God's word, you are a prime candidate for being deceived. Okay, and when you say deceived, I naively think into doing something wrong. But the truth is I can be deceived into a change of lifestyle, of pattern. You know, we talked in a previous program about Laura's story Mm -hmm. where her father, when she was a child, right, she's in the ninth grade, not a child, okay, but a young adult, he gets diagnosed with Parkinson's And that throws her into wanting to start to control everything, and that continues on. And yes, you stated it correctly. Deception is never a good thing, actually. I don't want to consider deception as a positive thing. She was deceived into thinking that she was best trusting her own control, her own plans, rather than trusting God, right? And that deception fed the fear. Fed the fear, or it actually starts with fear, and then it feeds those actions. That's the way it typically works. But what we want to do is see how to work with that fear. How do we deal with life? How do we deal with changing our life to the better? And it needs to feed into good thinking. And one of the keys to help us change our thinking is to slow 
your emotions down. That's tool number one. Slow your emotions down. We've talked about this before, but the first tool is to simply slow your emotions down. You have this near collision with a car. Uh, oh, my goodness, your emotions get stimulated, right? You hear some lies about yourself. Your emotions get stimulated, right? Uh, you are tempted. Your emotions get stimulated. Okay, well, I just almost got clipped by a car. How am I supposed to slow my emotions down? I'm in the road. I just escaped this. That's exactly right. So what you want to do is... I'm at battle stations, and you're like, have a caramel. <laughs> no. There is no doubt that any of those type of situations are going to stimulate your emotions. And what we're, what we're talking about here is don't let your emotions continue to lead. You're going to need to figure out how to get my thinking back in line. And one of the simple ways that you've been taught from a child is what? Count to 10. Count to 10. That's exactly right. Count to 10. That's exactly what we need to be doing. But now, that's not me. I end up counting by twos. Two, four, six, eight, ten. That's right. And why is this happening? Let me give you a little background. On and that's on a good day. On a bad day, it's by threes. <laughs> uh, what happens with us is our amygdala. Let me give you that little medical term. It's not like I'm acting like a medical expert. My what? Your, your amygdala. You can go look that up. The, uh, the amygdala are two little lobes at the bottom part of your brain. And that bottom part of your brain, that amygdala, is where you have stored memories. And those memories are t don't have any reference to time. So let me give you a little example of my own life. I was a uh, seven or eight years old throwing a paper route in Paris, Texas. And I was walking up to this house, and there was a dog that wasn't barking at me, seemed to be friendly. So I st stopped and started petting the dog, and the dog st seemed to like it. So I bent down a little closer to it, and as I got my face rather close to the dog, the dog jumped up and bit me in my cheek. Now, that memory is very, very clear to me even right now so anytime i actually go to any dog even my wonderful little little uh, uh, dog that i have anytime i put my face close to them that amygdala that stored memory flashes itself up in front of me going watch out herman watch out because it has no bearing on time now this is very important for us because there's some research done to show how you can overcome those type of things so just get this picture in your mind i am being put into an mri okay that's a magnetic My, resonance imaging machine that's right yes, i'm being put into an mri and they they put me in there and they go herman remember that time when that dog bit you in the cheek and they would see that my brain, the, the, the amygdala, would light up. Mm -hmm. And do you know what they'd also see? They'd see that the prefrontal cortex goes dark. Now, like, explain to you what that is here in a second. So my amygdala lights up, my prefrontal cortex goes dark. Which means I've got blood going from one place to the other. Exactly. They, they, they pull me out. Then they put me back in and say, this time, when we tell you about that dog, what we want you to do is simply take three deep breaths. Okay, so put me back in the MRI. Remember when that dog bit you on your cheek? Yeah. And then they go, take three deep breaths, Herman. One, two, three. And you notice what they, what they saw on the MRI is the my amygdala 
stopped being lit and my prefrontal cortex lit back up. Now, why is that important? Because the prefrontal cortex is where reasoning occurs, where you actually can start thinking more clearly. What happens there is it proves in that simple little bit of research that counting to 10 works. <laughs> That's all. I mean, we've gone through all of this discussion just to go, well, counting to 10 works. You know, that's exactly we what We did all of this to get there that counting to yeah. 10 works. So slow your emotions down. Yes, you're you're about ready to react to that person that pulled into your lane. You're about ready to, uh, you know, start cursing at them. I hope not. But you have bad thoughts toward them. You're going to have to slow your emotions down. And then you'll be into a reasoning mode. You'll be into the right thinking mode, hopefully. There is no doubt that slowing your emotions down is beneficial to you. It's, there's no doubt to it at all. There you go. And if you can't count to 10, just spell the darn thing. We are great relationships. That's grnumeral8relationships.com. You can go to the website. Again, all of this is coming out of Chapter 8, Section 1. And if you're like me, looking for the easier, softer way, don't count to 10 by threes. Do it by... Great quotes for great relationships. When stress hits the system, pathology overrides theology every time, unless you are sold out to the truth. Dr. Marlon Howe. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Hello, I'm Paul Moore. And I'm Herman Even. From our family to you, wishing you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Whether you're celebrating across the table or across the street or even across the country, the holidays can be very stressful. Removing that stress and renewing your relationships is what great relationships is all about. We also invite you to consider taking time to be holy. Well, not a pious, goody-two-shoes holy, but as the word implies, set apart as God intended, to spend time in His Word and in prayer, rediscovering His will for your life, His unyielding love for you, and the greatest gift ever given, the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Merry Christmas, and may all of your relationships be great. Remember, take the stress out of your relationships by making them great. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Great relationships. Our phone number, if you want to give us a yell, 800 819 4293. Again, 800 819 4293. Herman, before the break, we were talking about three tools for better thinking. And the first tool was slow your emotions down. Second tool is pre decide. You know what? Just think about the uh, <laughs> the time that I had experience with that dog. I pre-decided pretty much at, after that point in time how to deal with dogs. So pre-decide, slow your emotions down, pre-decide, pre-decide. Why would that help? For instance, I don't have any struggle at all as to whether I'm going to pick up a hitchhiker. I don't have any struggle at all uh, because I've pre-decided long ago. I just don't do that. 
That is not something I'm going to do. Now, why would predecide work for you? There's another great thing that I've predecided. I've predecided that if I am even approached with a situation of a uh, an illicit uh, conversation with some uh, female, I'm not even going there. I'm 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 walking away. Those are predecisions that don't allow you to be put into a bad place. You know, Billy Graham and a bunch of pastors. I remember him writing that they decided as evangelists they were going to predecide ahead of time that they would never be alone with a woman that was not their wife in mm-hmm. an elevator, in a car, mm-hmm. or any situation That's interesting. that yeah. could cause them harm or their ministry. Right, right. That's very So they predecided. I mean, kind of like what mm-hmm. you were just saying. Wait a minute. I already know ahead of time I'm not going there. I really believe that is very important for all of us. Prepare for the situations that are really important. Prepare for the situations. Think about them ahead of time. What type of situations might you be involved in? Decide what you would be uh, exposed to and predecide to think about it the way God would want you to be thinking about it. Okay, so this goes back to where if we don't have God's Word in us, we can expect to be deceived. Absolutely. If you aren't thinking according to God's Word, most importantly, above all, in all situations, what we need to be doing is considering, will this bring glory to God? You know, that is a critical predecision. I am deciding that I want to be glorifying God in all that I do. That's a that's a critical decision. In fact, another great decision that I want to, uh, personally that I make anymore is the idea of, Herman, are you available today? I'm going to predecide to be available for the Lord in anything that happens. And I'm going to predecide to be thankful in all that I do. Well, those all sound good. But then my question would be, is it possible for me to make wrong predecisions? Of course it is. You go right back to what you just got through saying, which is, if you're not in God's Word, you can predecide and go in the wrong direction because you don't have anything to have as your standard. The standard of God's Word is the only thing that provides you any type of stability, any type of ability to live a life that makes sense. Oh, well, that's scary because many times in our mentoring relationship, you have encouraged me to live great values, and now I'm hearing that I can live worldly values, and I'm thinking they're great. Yeah, of course you can, because entropy is involved, right? The whole state of our sin nature is going to try to argue against God's Word. Entropy. There's a word I like almost as much as amygdala. (laughs) That's right. So help me with the entropy again. Well, entropy is when, when all of nature, physical law of entropy, says that all things will decline, scatter, and disorganize if no energy is put into it. For instance, this chair I'm sitting on right now, this chair is actually rotting away right below me. And I I can't feel it, I can't see it, but it's definitely rotting away because all things scatter, disorganize, and go away if no energy is being put into it. The same thing is going to happen to your values. Just because you're spiritual today, just because you were spiritual in the last moment, doesn't mean you're going to be spiritual in the next moment because energy needs to be put into life to help you be thinking correctly. Now, that's the reason why we want to be trusting in the Spirit. The Spirit is our energy for life, and we end up thinking that we're somehow fat with the Word. No, we're actually probably anorexic. We're looking in the mirror and seeing ourselves fat, but you're wasting away because you hadn't been in the Word. That's critical. That's entropy at work and Satan getting, getting you to believe what's not real and not true. 
Okay, that makes sense, that it actually is a lifestyle, not that I've arrived and been given a diploma. Right. His mercies are new each day, because so is my flesh suit. Mm -hmm. Um, So a question I would ask, if I might, and I'm not even sure that I know how to ask this. We live in a checklist society. Mm -hmm. So do I need to learn a system of thinking, or do I need to just memorize a whole list of predecisions? Well, I think it would be best if we take this second tool, predecisions, into the third tool. And the third tool is think digitally. And that's what you're actually asking in some form. Oh, now, wait a minute. So you're going to tell me that the Bible is all black and white, and I'm going to tell you Herman, life is gray. Yeah, that's exactly what most people think. I'm going to tell you that life, according to God's word, is all black and white. It's not there is no gray. And, and okay, you're scaring me now. You're, yeah, you're going to make, make me put my hand in a thing full of snakes to prove my virtue, right? <laughs> well, most people will hopefully come back, and in your mind, you might be thinking, well, what about the law of liberty that Paul tells us about in Corinthians? Oh, that was first time I might. That's, <laughs> the law of liberty says that, you know what, here was the argument. Uh, should I eat the meat of idols, mean the meat that was being sacrificed to idols, because if I do, am I somehow sinning? And Paul comes back and says, what? He gives you two criteria. Criteria one, does it cause somebody else to stumble? Criteria two, are you doing it with a clean conscience? Now, just notice this. There are plenty place, plenty of places that we can look in God's word and see what God is asking us to do. This is what I want you to do. I want you to love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what I want you to do. Very clear, very understandable. There's very clear other areas that the Lord is saying, and don't do this. Don't do these things. Those are very easy for us to look in God's word and go, oh, that's very digital. Here's what I mean by digital thinking. It's either a zero or a one. It's either what we call a two. It's an opposite. It's good or bad, up or down, black or white. So God's telling us the things to do, and he's telling us the things to not do. Those are very easy. But what about this concept of all the things in between? That was the issue related to the eating the meat of idols. Should I wear pink socks today or should I wear loafers today? What, what's God's will for me in that regard? Don't wear pink socks with loafers. That's, his... <laughs> That's exactly what most people would say. And I, I, I hope I wouldn't do that. But nevertheless... Unless they have individual toes, then there's... <laughs> So, so from the viewpoint of understanding how this works, how would I know whether wearing black or blue or even pink socks is in God's will? Well, Paul gave me the clarity that I can live a life of digital thinking. How can I know anything that is not clearly spelled out in his word is truly still digital? It's either black or white, because either I'm causing somebody to stumble by wearing blue socks or I don't have a clean conscience about wearing those blue socks. So it becomes digital thinking. It's black and white again. So don't sit here and try to act like that you have this gray area that I just don't know what to do. 
you do know based on those two critical criteria. Or what if I honestly think God doesn't care? It doesn't matter to God whether I wear black or blue. Then you have a clean conscience. See how that works? If if you're operating with that type of thinking, you're operating with, you know, I have clean, I have a clean conscience about it. I, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. That's what we want to be thinking about there. So that's a that's a critical issue because we get into a, a, a lot of confusion about how to live life and how to work with relationships if we don't if we don't consider that. Okay, well, I'm going to ask you more about digital thinking after the break, but if you could review for me again, the first tool is to slow my emotions down. Slow my emotions down, pre-decide, and now have digital thinking. Digital thinking. May I ask, if I can't figure out digital thinking, I'm still wrestling with that. I want to fight that there's gray area, and I don't even want to go down the rabbit trail of the permissive will of God. I want to stay right here on the point, digital thinking. You say to me all the time, there's a fundamental choice. Trust God or trust something else. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. It takes right thinking for right relationships right now. We'll be back right after this. Great quotes from God's Word for great relationships. Be kindly, affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another. Romans 12.10 Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Relationships can be great. And not just marriages or romantic relationships, all relationships. The Bible offers the same solution to what is essentially the same problem. What is the problem and what is the solution? Study along with us to find out. Great Relationships is a video course offering biblically-based insight on relationships. In each video, watch Herman tame tough issues by discussing them in a casual online learning environment. Each of Great Relationships' 12 chapters are subdivided into quick segments you can squeeze into a coffee break. So if you've had time to listen to this promotion, you have the time to sign up and start today. Visit our website at greatrelationships.com. That's G-R numeral 8 relationships.com to sign up for our free newsletter. Pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. And we're back. Boy. Girl. Black. White. Up. Down. In. Out. There you go, Herman. It's all about digital thinking. Digital thinking is what we call a two. This is taught by Robert Fritz. He's one of my mentors. And I love this whole principle, this whole idea of digital thinking because it truly fits God's word so dramatically. Now, Robert may not have done it from that viewpoint, and I'm I'm sure he didn't, but at the same time, it fits God's word so perfectly. If Satan can get us to the place where we don't know whether it's right or wrong, then he has us in a confused state. And that's one of the keys of the way the way Satan wants to deal with us. He okay. wants us confused. Okay, then I'm going to ask a question. You told me you've predecided about hitchhikers. Okay. But what about if it's in the middle of a storm and it's terrible and there's somebody out there walking on the side of the road? 
And I said, I'm not going to pick up hitchhikers, but I go whizzing by this person and just everything inside me says, this is wrong. I need to pick them up. Good. So that's gray. It, it would appear to be gray uh, because you're trying to overlap the predecision onto the digital thinking now. Now, did you have did you have a tinge of your conscience going, I really need to go pick them up? Did it was you? either my conscience or the hamburger I had at the <laughs> truck stop. Right. Notice what I said about this concept of the gray area, what the Apostle Paul gave us. He gave us two critical criteria, and one of those criteria is appropriate for what you're experiencing here. You drove past the hitchhiker, and your conscience started going, oh, it's not quite right to leave them out in the cold. I don't care if your predecision if you'd predecided or not, that's what you need to pay attention to, because that means that you have a tinge of, mm, I'm not real comfortable staying with that decision in this situation. See, therefore, I have this action that I'm not sure really fits my faith. My faith would be totally clear that I can just keep on driving. In this particular situation, you're going, Mm, that is just not right to treat one of God's creation that way. I'm going to stop. Good. Go stop. Go back. But doesn't that lead me down the slippery slope of I'm second-guessing myself on everything? It can, but the issue for you is to always make certain. See, predecision is not God's word. Keep that in your mind. Slowing your motions down is not God's word. This whole digital thinking does fit into the area of what God is saying to us. You either are causing somebody to stumble or you don't have clear conscience about that. If you don't have clear conscience, you should not do it. Or you should do it if you don't have a clear conscience, however well uh, you're wanting to think about that. So I don't have a clear conscience of continuing to go. I need to go back and stop. I need to go back to that person and pick them up. That is, that's critical for us to understand. If you don't keep that in your mind, you're going to end up being confused. Now, I'm not asking you to be living by your emotions there. That isn't what I'm saying. You need to pay attention. Does God's Word address that to a certain degree? Yes. It does. The parable of the uh, Good Samaritan fits that perfectly, right? See, if you don't know God's Word, you're going to be deceived. You're going to not be able to apply the digital thinking. You've got to know God's Word. What He's saying is right. What He's saying wrong. I could even say that potentially the idea of me deciding to not pick up a hitchhiker may be violating God's Word. It's funny. We're going back to the very truth that you gave us earlier, which is if you're not in God's Word, if you don't know it, expect to be deceived. Yeah, there is a lot more a lot more black and white in God's Word than we really want to believe. Uh, And that's the reason why I believe truly that the Apostle Paul, the Lord through the Apostle Paul, did us a huge favor by saying, here's the way you measure those things that, that I am not explicit about whether to do or not do. You either are doing it without faith, you have an unclear conscience, or you're causing somebody to stumble. If those two criteria are 
are, are considered, then you can turn it back into a black and white. Bless God, because when I hear this black and white thing, I think it's condemning. It and what is. I'm really hearing is skills for living. That's right. Because Satan wants us confused. Let's go back there. Satan wants us confused. You know, if, if you if you go back to the James 3.16 passage, you know, where envy <laughs> and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. There's an interesting quote that is provided uh, about an archdemon as it relates to uh, what Satan is wanting him to do. And basically it says something along the line of insert yourself into simple situations which call for plain and obvious duties, urges this devil, and complicate them and complicate them again until at least at last no one involved in them can make sense of the confusion. Satan loves that. Satan loves the fact that we're confused and we are typically going to be confused because we're not in God's word enough to know whether it fits what God's asking us to do or not. So then I'm being given a fundamental choice. Fundamental choice. The ultimate two. Thank you for bringing (laughs) me there. The ultimate two. Trust God or trust something other than God. That's the ultimate two. And God is saying, no confusion when you trust me. And bless God, no confusion when we trust him. So the three tools again, slow your emotions down. Pre-decide and digital thinking. Digital thinking, the big two. Trust God, trust something else. Until next time, Herman Even and Paul Moore, God bless you. Welcome to Name Your Design. Meet Bill Johnson, a sanitation engineer from Los Banos, California. In our last show, Bill was just about to answer the question, name your design, when we ran out of time. Can you name your design in one word? May I ask a question first? I know I'm created in God's image, but aren't women created in God's image too? Yes, in fact, the coming together of a man and woman is the best representation of the image of God. That must be why God hates divorce. Divorce separates the image of God that he planted in man and woman. I'm ready to name my design in one word. Work. Now you're on to the bonus round. Here's your question. Why is it that when you move something from one place to another in a car, it's called shipping, but if you do that with a boat, it's called cargo? Herman invites you to join us next week as he discusses the designs of men and women. As always, shipping cargo is not included. Great relationships, right thinking, right relationships, right now.